to say that mankind, us, we have been struggling with sickness and diseases since the earliest days of our existence. That would be an obvious understatement. But that struggle has now been so accented during these past two or so years with most everyone on the earth enduring some of the worst suffering that they ever have in this modern age. That sickness that has been brought on by this pandemic, it's kept most all of our minds focused on little else than that, our health. But here as we read in a moment these words about the Lord Jesus, though these people's sicknesses and their diseases weren't as widespread as ours are these days, their pain and their suffering, they were just as real, just as difficult for them then as it is for us now, probably more so. And while the anointed purpose for which the Lord Jesus had come to this earth had almost solely to do with the scourge of sin and the sinful conditions within our souls, the compassion that was also a part of his heart and his soul compelled him to reach his loving hand into people's lives and to bring them some relief from their physical sufferings. Folks, God truly is the very essence and reality of love and compassion. Compassion for all forms of suffering is a part of the essence of love. And again, compassion for the eternal souls of men was Jesus' first concern. But we see from reading these scriptures that compassion for their pain, their suffering, seemed to come closely behind And it's because love is just that way. Love is that way. And also, as the saying goes, people need to know that you care before they care what you know. That's a real truth. And as Jesus would demonstrate his compassion towards their pain and their suffering, they then more readily would accept the truths of the gospel that he would preach to them. Follow along with me, if you will. Going to be reading from Luke chapter 4, and we'll witness the compassion that came out of the heart of God. Listen to these words beginning in verse 38. Now he, this Lord Jesus, now he arose from the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Here in these words were given a foretaste of what the next three years of Jesus' ministry to the people would be like. As he would go about preaching and teaching the gospel, there seemed always to be a continual flow of those who were sick, those who were diseased and crippled, all of them wanting and needing to be healed. And that's a natural desire that's within all of us. Because who among us really wants to continue in pain and suffering 
if we know that there's a remedy that's available to us. And Jesus was that remedy. And also in those days, there was very little help available for even the most common of illnesses and diseases. We think about today, we take an aspirin if we have a headache. They did not have aspirin in those days. They didn't have any of those quick medications. Doctors were in limited number. And there was no mention of hospitals even being a concept. Nowhere in these scriptures do we read about a hospital. In contrast, you and I in our day were greatly blessed with all the options all around us. We have doctors and hospitals and prescription drugs and over-the-counter medications. And the handy availability of it all has this very excellent side in that we can quickly find relief from many of our daily sufferings. But folks, there can be a difficult side to that handy availability. Consider for a moment how for many health and health care have become a major priority in their lives and perhaps for some inordinately so. I can recall my aunt and uncle, they would not go and visit away from their home for more than a couple of days at a time because they had doctor's appointments, always had doctor's appointments. With the daily bombardment of information and warnings of potential threats, so many of us become consumed with the need to keep ourselves healthy. Our thoughts are held in the grip of keeping those key indexes in line. How often have you heard people talk about those key indexes, our cholesterol, our blood pressure, our blood sugar levels? We watch our diets and we take so many, many pills. We refuse to tolerate even the most minor of pains. I'm speaking for myself so often here in these words, but we refuse to tolerate even the most minor of pains. And with most of our health care being paid for by our employer's group insurance or by Medicare, we don't hesitate to visit our doctor. And invariably, invariably, the doctor will suggest that we have some sort of test done. And then, when the health care process kicks into gear, it can go on and on and on. Folks, may I make a strong statement that surely does not apply to us all, but does seem to apply to many people today. And it is that our attention, our focus, our constant focus on our health care has in itself become a national epidemic. The preoccupation with illness and potential illnesses, they consume the lives of so many of our people, especially those of us who are getting older. All it seems that we talk about these days as health. I have friends that I can walk up and say, how are you doing? And it's the wrong question. They give me all of their vitals. They honestly do. They tell me, well, I'm better than I was. Let me tell you about it. It seems that as we get older, our health is all that we talk about. And folks, listen, surely such preoccupation is not a good thing because preoccupation can and it does often develop into dependence and even a kind of bondage. And if that's taking place, 
in your or my personal life, may I say to us very strongly that God does not want it to be that way. He does not want you and me to have any form of bondage to the ways and to the provisions of this world. But as I say that, questions come back at me saying, are we just to ignore our pain? Or those warning signs of some impending health problem? Does God intend for us to suffer at least some? Is there something good that can come from our physical or emotional suffering? What is that balance? What is that balance that should be kept in our response to our health care needs? Folks, I don't know if there will ever be good answers to those questions. But I do know that just as with all the other matters of this life, as believers in Christ, our best answers to all such questions as those about our health will best be found within the words of our scriptures. And yes, when it is necessary, we really, really should go to our earthly physicians. I do that. I want my wife to do that. But we should also seek to understand about those times when we should simply go to the other physician, our great physician, the Lord Jesus. He has answers for us, folks. And He even has cures that you and I won't know about until we truly begin to seek His face and seek His healing touch. We can circumvent that by quickly going to the pharmacy. But may I tell you from personal experience that the Lord Jesus has answers and He has cures that you and I won't know about unless we seek His face about them. Now, for the remainder of our time today, I would like for us to take a careful look at what these scriptures reveal to us about sickness and about diseases. And I'd like for us to ask the Holy Spirit to give us some fresh insight into where our suffering comes from and what God would have us to do about it. The first and simple question is, are all of our sufferings, our sicknesses and our diseases, simply as our doctors tell us? They come from germs that we picked up from some source, even perhaps from the air that we breathe. And also maybe they came to us as the geneticists tell us as a result of some malady that was passed on along to us from past generations through our DNA. My dear wife's mother had Alzheimer's. She was concerned for many, many, many years about having Alzheimer's, but that would come to her through her genes. The answer to those questions that I was asking, those things that I mentioned are common causes of our sufferings. Yes, we get it from the air we breathe and from the things we eat and, and perhaps passed along from our parents, grandparents. But may I also add that these scriptures reveal to us that there are also other factors at work. There are other factors at work. There are causes that can come to us from other realms of existence other than this natural realm. Sickness and diseases can flow out from the spiritual realms. Do you believe that? I know that those words I just said sound spooky. They sound spooky to us, but folks, listen. Though those words are not easily believed, that kind of illness that comes out of that spiritual realm, those things are spoken about often throughout these scriptures. Often. 
most all sicknesses and diseases will eventually manifest themselves and their suffering in physical realms that we live in. Many of those woes, though, have their origins, their beginnings first from within the spiritual realms as a direct result of man's fall into sin. Sin has brought with it a whole host of physical problems and mental disorders. When Adam and Eve lived there in the garden, they were perfect in every way. Perfect in every way. As they worked, they did not toil. And because they did not toil, there was no suffering from exhaustion or from tired and sore muscles. They didn't even sweat. They didn't even sweat from a long, hard day's work. We know that from reading the words of Genesis 3. And especially as we note the changes that took place after Adam and Eve fell into their sin. Listen to these words. This is Genesis 3. They tell us about not only the origins of sin, but also the origins of sicknesses and diseases that go along with those sins. These words tell us about events that took place just after Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the forbidden fruit. This is Genesis 3. Listen, beginning in verse 9 of Genesis 3. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken... For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Here in these words we see the beginnings of most all of the ills that beset each of us today. From emotional problems to physical problems that came from this source. Note first, the beginning of our emotional problems. Emotional stress, fear, guilt, shame. Verse 10. So he said, this is Adam. Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Our world is filled with the harmful effects of emotional sufferings and the guilt that comes from having done things wrong. God designed our emotions to be that way. He gave us a conscience, and then He gave us the Holy Spirit when we became believers to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment so that we would have those Guilt feelings. But for those who don't have Christ, the world is filled 
with all of those harmful effects, all of those emotional sufferings and the guilt that comes from having done things wrong. And it's filled also with no end of those fix-it doctors who will counsel you and me and write us prescriptions for drugs to cure us, none of which seem to work very well. Now here also are the beginnings of the refusal to be personally accountable for our wrongful behavior. Listen to these words. And he, this is God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent, he deceived me and I ate. The moment that Adam and Eve chose to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their souls changed. They became corrupt with a sin nature. Do you believe that? Scripture is so obvious that this is truth. The moment that they chose to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their souls became corrupt. And a sin nature causes us to shift the blame of our conduct onto others. And our doctors and our therapists too often are quick to tell us that that's okay. That's okay. You're, it's not really your fault. It's someone else's fault. Perhaps your parents or someone else. And because of that, we seldom ever deal with our sin through repentance, leaving us burdened down by sin and guilt and shame. And the physical damage that can come as a result of emotional suffering from our sin and our guilt and our shame, though it may not be as visible, it's every bit as damaging as an injury or as a disease. It can even become completely debilitating to us. I have a good friend. He has been debilitated by such things as this for near 15 years. Here also in verse 16, we see the beginning of even more physical suffering. Verse 16, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Physical toil and suffering and sweat and sore muscles, pain in childbearing and the multitude of other miseries that beset each of us each day. Folks, it's a direct result of sin having entered into our lives. For us now, it came generationally, but it's there. And we suffer the results of it. But we must know this also. These words speak of a strong and clear message to us that our suffering really can have a very intentional spiritual purpose within it. Note that the words that I just read to us, they're a clear rebuke for sinful behavior. And they are intended by God to bring Adam and Eve, and consequently then you and me, to repentance for our own sinful behaviors. 
So in that sense, while it is still painful, we should not despise our suffering because it has an excellent redeeming purpose within it. Repentance, simple but earnest and complete repentance can be the most powerful healing balm ever imagined. And I recommend it highly for each of our souls that we repent of those sins that we know that we have committed. So then, with that being said, may we ask ourselves the question, are some of our illnesses, the diseases, the sufferings that I endure today, a direct result of some personal and intimate sin that I have committed? And the answer is perhaps, perhaps, sometimes, but it's not always. But it can be there. Yes, if I drink heavily or if I take drugs, then the sufferings that come from those behaviors, they're surely directly related. Even my overweight condition is probably my own fault. Probably my own fault. And yes, our emotional responses to guilt and to shame for sins that we hold on to. And there are a lot of sins that you and I like to hold on to that we don't repent of and that we have not surrendered to Christ. They can bring on all sorts of emotional and physical sufferings. And folks, there are numerous other self-inflicted sufferings like those. But unfortunately, also, there are many illnesses and diseases that come to us from the effects of other people's sin. A direct result of sin, but someone else's sin. I have no doubt that as people and businesses combine their efforts to produce products for profits, then pollutants and toxic mixtures and poisons of all kind, they get into our air and into our drinking water and our food. And you and I, in that circumstance, were helpless victims of their carelessness and their thoughtless greed and sin. So then, as you and I get sick and encounter diseases in our personal lives, we really can probably assume that it is a result of some combination of all of those possibilities that I spoke about. Some of it genetics, some from our own misdeeds, some from the misdeeds of others. And you and I are no different from these folks who were brought to Jesus that day for His healing touch. We're no different than those folks. Jesus could have sent them away, but He didn't. He healed them. And that should be a special message to you and me. You and I must not allow ourselves to live in a state of fear hearing those pharmaceutical ads on the television that describe some possible terrible illness and then supposing ourselves to have that illness. Folks, that happens continually, daily. Why else do those pharmaceutical ads come on the television set? God does not desire us to watch those, hear those, and then suppose ourselves to have those illnesses. Because from there we go rushing over to our doctors and get in line for that whole host of tests and procedures that he will surely recommend. And what takes place in those kinds of situations, again, is this form of bondage that we voluntarily place ourselves under. And it's a bondage that's brought on by fear. Think about it for a moment. The basic 
unction behind our rushing out to find that next pill to take, that next cure, is fear. God very clearly tells us that He does not want us to live in bondage to fear. It's one of the most quoted statements in all of Scripture. Fear not. For one reason or another, do not fear. He does not. God does not desire us to live in bondage to fear of what might take place. Perhaps God has another purpose in that special pain that I feel that I need to go and talk with Him about first before I go rushing out to find a cure from the street menders. Let me close our time by repeating this warning that I just gave. God does not want you or me to ignore real serious symptoms. No, He does not. But neither does He want you and me to be in bondage to the world and to the world's systems, no matter how good those worldly systems seem to be. Our health and our healthcare systems and providers, they are good, yes, but they also have a potential of becoming a strong and demanding idol within our daily lives. So for however you might have received these words that I've given today, I urge you and me to go to these scriptures and see what God has to say about sickness and diseases. And so while, yes, some of our symptoms may be very real, sometimes we're simply responding to a spirit of fear. And God does not want you and me to live with a spirit of fear. And so I urge you to write the words of 2 Timothy 1 indelibly on your heart. Verse 7, 7 2 Timothy chapter 1, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me say that again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray.